Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a series called Fully. In this series on whole life stewardship, we are learning what it means to give every area of our lives fully to Jesus. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, everybody. It is good to gather. I'm just reminded each Sunday, this rhythm that we create, we carve out time to gather, to sing together, to open God's word, to see what he has to say to us, to pray together, to focus our eyes on him. It is a good rhythm that we participate in. So thanks for being here. Uh, we're in a teaching series called Fully. And together, if you're following on your notes, we're going to dig right in. We are learning to give every area of our lives fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. Every area of our lives. We've said this each week. It is so easy to see our lives in distinct categories. Our work, our school, our sports teams, our gym membership. We, we can divide it up. And what we've reminded ourselves over the past two months is that everything we have is a gift from God and we are stewards of it. So we've talked about our time, our relationships, our minds, our bodies, our money. And today we conclude the series by talking about how we steward the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Now, I was reading a, a survey this past week about the top five things in America that people are frightened of. Now, you might think it would be spiders or snakes or public speaking. Here's the top five things that showed up last year in a survey that was taken. Number one is loved ones dying. Number two, loved ones becoming seriously ill. Three, mass shootings. Four, not having enough money for retirement. Steve spoke on that last week. And five, terrorism. In Illinois... The top fear that people have is autophobia, the fear of isolation and abandonment. Now, I think COVID played into that fear. Probably also numbers of people leaving Illinois played into that. We have a fear of isolation and abandonment. And as I started thinking about this, as followers of Jesus, we might have some fears as well, right? For brothers and sisters around the world, dying for the gospel might top that list. But if I had to pick a fear that would be at the top of the list for followers of Jesus here in America, at least in our cultural context, I think sharing our faith would be at the top of it. If you're like me, you can hear that we're talking about sharing our faith today, sharing the good news of Jesus, speaking the name of Jesus, and, and like some anxiety starts to come over you. Your shoulders are a little bit tighter than they were five minutes ago. Your jaw is clenched just a little bit. There might be some tightness in your chest. Or you feel guilty. You're sitting there and you feel guilty because you don't feel comfortable doing this. You don't feel equipped to do it. Or you didn't lead five people to Jesus last year. We just struggle with this. And what I'm hoping we can learn today, what I'm praying is that we can see that proclaiming the good news of Jesus isn't a have to or something to fear, but we can begin stewarding the gospel and it's a get to an honor and a privilege. And it's just something that flows out of our lives as we give ourselves fully to the way of Jesus. We, we don't, we don't have this one life at work and one life at church and this one life that shares the good news of Jesus. We have one life. And we represent Jesus everywhere we go. 
So this series is based on our vision statement. I want to put that on the screen. Would you read this with me? It says we're learning, or it says to see people of every generation giving themselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. We, we've spent the last few weeks talking about the word fully. How do we do that in every area of our lives? That will be true today, but we're going to focus on the word mission primarily today. And to step into that subject, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. Just go about two-thirds of the way back in your Bible. You'll come to Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. If you don't have a Bible with you or a digital device with a Bible app on it, we have black Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. Matthew chapter 28 can be found on page 811 of those Bibles. And we say this each week. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, please take that home with you. We'd love for you to take that as a gift. Matthew 28. We're going to get there in just a minute. If we're talking about mission today, then we need to begin with Jesus' mission. What was his mission? What was his purpose? Why did he come? And when Jesus began his ministry on earth, he stood up in the synagogue in his hometown to read scripture and he outlined his mission. He read from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, and in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, we can see this on the screen. This is what Jesus said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came to this earth to preach the good news, and he particularly delighted in doing this among the impoverished, the weak, the hurting, and the rejected in society. He met people's spiritual need by telling them that the kingdom of God had broken in, that he was the king, and in his kingdom there was salvation from sin and death. Jesus forgave people of their sin and he offered them and invited them into a new way of living, a way that led to eternal life. Jesus invited people to follow him and become a disciple. He met their spiritual need. And Jesus not only preached the good news through his words, but he powerfully demonstrated the good news through his actions, meeting the physical needs of people as well. We see this in Matthew chapter 9, 35. We see him meeting spiritual and physical needs. We're told that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. And what we see, if you're following in your notes, is Jesus came to show and tell the good news. He came to show and tell the good news. He ultimately demonstrated that through his death, resurrection, and ascension, but he lived that throughout his entire life. Jesus not only lived this out, he taught his disciples to live just like him. He modeled this showing and telling of the good news, and he expected his followers to practice his way. We're given an example of this in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. It says, one day, Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. 
Jesus sent his followers out showing and telling the good news. And to make this point even more clear to his original followers and to us, when Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead on the third day, and that night he appeared to his followers in a room. And in John chapter 20, we're told after greeting his friends, Jesus said this. Would you read this in the first grade box on your notes? It says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I find it completely fascinating that one of the first things on the mind of the resurrected Jesus is to remind his followers that they had a mission and that he was sending them. He could have talked about anything. And Jesus says he was sent by the father and now he's the sender and he's sending his disciples and he's sending us. And what this means, if we're following in our notes, we must see ourselves as sent people on mission with Jesus. Belief shapes behavior, so we have to see ourselves as sent people. I love what Tim Keller, a pastor in New York City, says about this verse. You can see his quote on the screen. He says, what Jesus is saying is, I'm a missionary, and now all of you are missionaries too. What he's saying is, the shape of my life is sentness. I have been sent. I have a mission. Now my mission is the model for your life. Jesus continued this sending language up until the time he left his followers and ascended into heaven. And again, if sending his disciples and mission was on the forefront of his mind, one of the first things after the resurrection, it's fascinating what's on his mind is the last words he speaks to them before he ascends. We see this in Matthew chapter 28. This is called the Great Commission. I'm going to read verse 18, and then I'm going to ask you to join me in the second gray box on your notes. Verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then would you join me in the second gray box? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus reminds his followers, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'll be back. But in the meantime, you're sent. And you are to continue the mission. But I think what happens sometimes, I know this has happened in my life is we think being sent is reserved for missionaries who sell their possessions and move to a foreign country. And sometimes that's true. God still asks people to do that. But all of God's people are sent. All of God's people are commanded to go, to show and tell the good news. There's no special class of sent ones. I love what Pastor John Tyson wrote about this. You can see it on the screen. He says, in the language of scriptures... All disciples of Jesus are sent to someone and some place. Jesus does not appoint some to be missionaries and others to sit on the bench. Jesus sends all who follow him out in the world to proclaim the gospel and bring his kingdom. And what, what this shows us is that being sent is not an add-on to our already busy lives. We're all busy. 
It was Jesus' way of life. And what Jesus is saying is, as you go about your life, see yourself as a sent one in my name and in my power. If you read the Great Commission in the original Greek language, it it conveys something to the effect of um, a continuous action, like as you're going about your life, as you're going about. And what that tells us, if you're following in your notes, is that the context of the mission is our everyday lives. It's our everyday lives. I would even argue that those sent overseas to be international missionaries, the context of their mission is their ordinary everyday lives as they live with the people they're sent to minister to. It's living as Jesus, hands and feet and his messengers in daily, small, faithful ways. And I, I so want us all to hear this. That this is, this is so important for us. I believe God has you living in Springfield, Illinois, or if you're a guest with us from somewhere else, I believe God has you in Springfield for a reason. I believe he has you in the house you're in for a reason. I believe he has you in the school that you're in for a reason. I believe that he has you in the family that you're in for a reason. God has a purpose and he has placed you where he wants you. And you now have the opportunity to show and tell people the goodness wherever you are. My friend shared this on Instagram this week, and I thought it captured this idea of our ordinary lives perfectly. This is a quote from Pastor Christine Kane. She writes this, you are uniquely gifted to share your faith with your people, your family, your coworkers, your friends, your teammates, your roommates. Only you have your specific experiences and relationships. God has placed you at this time in these spaces with these people for a purpose. Boldly share the goodness of God in the way that only you can. Here's what this means for us if you're following in your notes. God trusts us to steward the good news of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about that or not. God trusts you to do this. He trusts people to steward the good news. And he believes in us so much that he left the mission in our hands. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have it all together. God can use whatever you offer him. There are kids down the hall and downstairs. Miss Jessica is teaching them this morning about the little boy who brought his lunch and offered it to Jesus. And Jesus did more with it than he ever thought possible. That is what God can do when we offer whatever we have to him to share the good news. And I want to put that quote from Christine Kane back on the screen for just a moment, because I want you to see these words, right? Your faith, your people, your family, your coworkers, your friends, your teammates, your roommates. I think she's speaking to our cultural moment and where we find ourselves. This may have been true in the past. And God, hear me say this. God can work in any way that he wants to work. 
But I just believe in our cultural moment, I'm not sure how effective it is anymore to proclaim the good news of Jesus outside of some relationship with another person. I think the old adage is true that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Sharing the good news is best within a relationship, but here's the thing I need to be careful of, and I wonder if it's true for us. It's easier for me to show the love of Jesus than it is to tell others about Jesus, and at some point, proclamation is involved. At some point, I have to say the name of Jesus, and that's when we put ourselves out there, and that's where the fear creeps in. We've been given the greatest gift in the world and God trusts us. He trusts us to be messengers of his good news. We are sent people in our community and our world need this good news. Okay, we see ourselves as sent ones. We, we know this, this is Jesus' commission in our lives. But I wanna finish with talking particularly about why we don't have to be afraid to share our faith. Do you remember what Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission? We read it together. He said, I will, you can say it with me if you want, I will be with you to the very end of the age. And you remember, we just read in John 20 where Jesus said, as I'm sent, I'm sending you. Jesus told his followers they were sent. And this is what he said immediately after that. In chapter 20, verse 22, would you read this with me in the third grade box on your notes? And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Let me explain that just a little bit. When someone follows Jesus, they place their trust in what Jesus accomplished on the cross. They receive the Holy Spirit in an instant, in that moment. We receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, and he instructs us. He guides us. He leads us to all truth. He helps us understand scripture. He convicts us of sin when we've lost our way. And if you're following in your notes, the Holy Spirit guides and empowers us for the mission. He guides and empowers us. And with the remainder of our time, I want to share two ways that he does that. Two ways. The first, if you're following in your notes, the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to people. He reveals Jesus to people. This is why verse 22 is so important. If we didn't have verse 22, then Jesus just sent us and we're out on our own. But verse 22 lets us know that Jesus never expected us to go out on our own. God didn't lay the great commission at our feet and then go out and accomplish it for him. We're on mission with him. And I have lived this out and I have guilted myself and I have shamed myself and I have carried a burden that I couldn't possibly carry because I've lived with this thought that it's my responsibility to convince someone to follow Jesus. And that is not true. We are not to convince anybody of anything. We can reason with them. We can share with them. But the conviction is up to the Holy Spirit. And we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to see people differently. To love people because they're created in God's image. To show God's love through acts of compassion. And to have conversations and speak the hope we have in Jesus. That's our job. 
Because we believe we're sent people on mission and we believe the Holy Spirit guides and empowers us and we believe it's only the Holy Spirit who reveals people to Jesus. This is what we have to do. If you're following in your notes, we pray for opportunities to show and tell the good news. We pray. Do we believe in the power of prayer that the Holy Spirit will guide us and empower us and reveal Jesus to people? As we go about our day, we, we pray and then we pay attention to where God might be leading us and who he puts on our path. And we pray expectantly. We anticipate opportunities. We're going to come across people that we can demonstrate his love and potentially have a conversation with. This is probably what I am learning the most right now. And what I'm learning about stewarding the good news, it's the importance of prayer. And it's so freeing because it doesn't require us to come up with grandiose plans. We don't have to make any plans. What if we became people of prayer asking God each day? We we just wake up and we say, God, give me eyes to see the ways you're already working today and a desire to join you in that work. Prayer, it gives us the eyes to see people. It softens our hearts to be attuned to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So this is practically what it's meant for me and what I've started doing. I pray before I go to come to work. I pray before I have to make a phone call. I pray before a meeting. I pray before I go to the gym. I pray before I go to the grocery store. I pray a little bit more before I go to the grocery store. We pray before we go to the park with our kids. We, we pray, God, help me see people the way you see them. And if there's an opportunity, give me the faith and the boldness to share. And we trust the Holy Spirit is working if we have the opportunity. We have to be people of prayer and then follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Number two, second way. The Holy Spirit guides and empowers us for mission and that we don't have to be afraid of this. If you're following in your notes, we have been given spiritual gifts to glorify God and build up others. Let me also talk about this for a couple of minutes because this it may have just got weird. We said this a minute ago. When somebody becomes a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives. The spirit of Jesus lives in us and we're told in several places in the New Testament that when the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are given spiritual gifts that glorify God and build up others in the body of Christ as a way to make disciples. This is such a big topic. We could, we could do a whole series on this, but I just want to get it on the table because I truly believe these gifts that we're given are a way that we can share the good news with others. They are ways we spiritually and physically meet the needs of people in our lives. Let me say a couple things about these gifts. And you may just want to write this somewhere on your notes. Um, It might be helpful. These gifts are given by God to his followers. He chooses what gifts we get. We can pray for gifts. We can pray for God to bring a gift into our life, but we don't just automatically get to say, I now have the gift of faith. I now have the gift of evangelism. God chooses who he gives these gifts to. The second thing, these gifts are indiscriminate, given indiscriminate of age, gender, education, intelligence. Any follower of Jesus can receive any of these gifts. 
The third thing, these gifts can be used inside or outside the church to build up others, inside or outside. And here's the fourth, Paul addressed this a lot in his letter to 1 Corinthians. There's no one gift that's more important than the other. No, no gift that's more important. Paul comically would make some references to like, what if the foot said to the nose, I don't need you. I mean, we, we need all parts of the body. There's actually four places in the New Testament that list different spiritual gifts. And those lists provide us with a total of 19 different gifts. Most New Testament scholars believe this is a, a suggestive list, not an exhaustive list. So perhaps there's more. But I invite you to turn your notes over because I just want to briefly walk through what these are. I'm not going to go through the definitions. You can do that later today. I actually would ask you not to read the definition right now because it'll you'll just get engrossed in it. But we see these gifts. These are the the gifts listed in Scripture. There's administration. There's apostleship. There's discernment. There's encouragement. There's evangelism. There's faith. There's giving. There's healing, there's helps and serving others, there's hospitality, there's knowledge, there's leadership, there's mercy, there's miracles, prophecy, shepherding, teaching, speaking in tongues and interpretation, and there's wisdom. Those are the gifts specifically listed in scripture. So, so we just walk through those really quick. You're going to read them a little bit later. And if you're in a life group, you're going to talk about them this week. But if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, I've got nothing. Yes, you do. You do. You just may not know it yet. God has given his followers spiritual gifts to join him in his mission. I want to put a tool on the screen that has helped me in the past. I found it helpful over the years in discerning gifts. There's three aspects to this. There's an ability, right? What are we naturally good at? There's an affinity. What are we passionate about? And there's an affirmation. Where, Where do others tell you? I see this in your life. I see God working in your life in this way. Where all three of those converge is typically the place of a spiritual gift. Often, spiritual gifts coincide with natural abilities we already have, and God just elevates them or supercharges them to accomplish his mission. One example is the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of our New Testament and wrote wrote most about these spiritual gifts. Paul was a great thinker, and he was a leader before he became a Christian. We know that because he'd been selected to apprentice under Gamaliel, a leading rabbi of his day, which was like going to Harvard. Paul's special calling as an apostle and a writer coincided with his natural abilities to think and write. There was a convergence that God supercharged to accomplish his mission. But there are exceptions to that. Sometimes God gives us spiritual gifts that have nothing to do with our natural abilities completely outside of what we would expect of ourselves. I've seen both of these play out in my life. And and what I'm about to share, please, 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 I, I hope it doesn't come across as boasting. I just want to give you a couple concrete examples of what you can look for in your life. I still have a, a long way to go. If I took a spiritual gift assessment right now, the top gifts in my life would be leadership, administration, and teaching. From the time I was a little kid, I've always been a leader. 
I was always chosen to be the captain of wiffle ball games in the street. I was, I, I mean, that's true though. I was always chosen to be the captain of the kickball team. I was always one of the leaders that would organize things and get friends to come along and do things. I've always done that. I've always been gifted in administration. I used to line up Hot Wheel cars across the room. I always had a pretty clean bedroom, unlike my kids now. I, I just, I've had that since I was little. You, you see where I'm going? Like it's something God has just brought about in my life. But if you would have asked me when I went into seminary what I wanted to do when I came out of seminary, I would have told you, the answer I would have given is, I will do anything except teach. I just don't want to do that. And I think God has brought about a gift of teaching in my life that I love to teach God's word and consider it a high honor and privilege to be able to do that. It's something I would have never expected. And once in a while... He will bring a gift about for a temporary assignment to accomplish his mission. How I've seen this in my life is God has brought about the gift of healing in several situations where I have prayed for somebody and they have experienced healing. That doesn't happen very often, but I've noticed it. Gifts can be given permanently from the time that you are a follower of Jesus or they can be brought about for God to accomplish his mission. He can do anything he wants. They're his gifts, and he gives them to whoever he wants. Now, you may be able to look at that list, and you're like, yeah, yeah, leadership, administration. I noticed that from the time I was a kid. That's great. But if you would want a refresher on this, and you're just at a place where, like, I think I used to have that gift, but it might be different now, or this is completely new to you, and you're thinking, I I might have something, but I don't know what it is. You do have something. We're offering a three-week spiritual gifts class beginning this Wednesday. It's taught by Jenny. We've had hundreds of people go through this class. And I've just got to tell you, it is the coolest thing in the world when you're talking with somebody. Take a teacher or a doctor, for instance, and they recognize that God has them exactly where he wants them. And they can use their gift of healing or they can use their gift of helps and serving right where they are and they see their jobs in a different light. Or what about a person who finds out they have the gift of hospitality and they could share the good news of the gospel by inviting their friends over for dinner. Something clicks when we begin to understand that God has given us a gift and we can use it to accomplish his purposes. If that's you and you want to learn some more about these spiritual gifts and how God might be working in your life, your purpose, your passion, your ability, your affinity, and have it affirmed by other people, there's a QR code inside of your bulletin today. And there's a text code. You can get signed up. We have limited spots, but we would love to have this conversation with you. Stewarding the good news of Jesus it begins, I mean, we've heard this. It's, it begins with how we see ourselves. Our belief shapes our behavior. And if we don't see ourselves as sent people, then we're just going to miss opportunities in our everyday lives. But if we can practice living intentionally as sent people, praying for the Holy Spirit to guide us and using the gifts that God has entrusted us with, then everywhere we go is an opportunity to show and tell the good news. 
So the question that I want to leave us with, I need to answer it too. If you're following in your notes, will I steward the gospel and join Jesus in his mission? Will I steward it? The greatest gift we've been given. Can you imagine church? What if every follower lived in their God-given purpose, passion, and abilities and spiritual gifting? Can you imagine what would happen if that was the case? Let's be a people who give ourselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. I want to invite you to watch this video of my good friend, John Cody. He has some really terrific things to share. I'm John Cody, married to Kathy. Such a blessing to be married to Kathy. We're the parents of Craig, Maureen, and Andrea. They're married, and we have nine grandchildren. How would I serve Jesus more fully? The answer is not trying to do more and more for Jesus. Jesus would have us live with him. It started with morning, quiet time, being eager and excited, like it was when I was first a Christian to be praying and reading the word of God. And I was seeing things that I wasn't seeing before. And in that process, I saw that sharing the gospel seems to be an essential element of living with Jesus. And then opportunities began opportunities to share the gospel, ways that I I hadn't done since 50 years ago. Just yesterday, I was getting my hair cut from a lady who's cut my hair for 20 years. Opportunity arose yesterday, so I shared the gospel with her. So this, how do I more fully serve Jesus? It's, It's this day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, living with Jesus. I'd say to the introvert, the focus is not so much on the activity of sharing the gospel, but instead the focus is on Jesus and looking to see where he leads. And he'll provide the opportunity and he'll provide the grace, the strength, the the ability to follow through on what it is he'll have you do. This is not me on my own going out to win these souls for Jesus Christ. I'm out there as Jesus's agent, as as his friend. There's so many ways to give our lives fully to Jesus. It may be in hospitality or with money or gifts like encouragement, things like that. This living with Jesus will put us, at least for me, more in tune with what the will of God is for us in our lives. Isn't that great? I am so thankful for the videos we've had with this in this series. And I, I don't know if Kevin Christensen's in this service or not, but Kevin gave of his time and editing, and he did an amazing job throughout the series for all those videos. So we're grateful for him. When we take communion, we always want to say this practice is for followers of Jesus, regardless of where you call your church home. This is something followers of Jesus have practiced for thousands of years. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're invited to participate. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we're so thankful you're here. 
but we would ask you not to participate in this as this is something for his followers to practice. And as we move into a time of communion, I want us to remember, and we're gonna take just a moment of silent prayer here in a, in a minute. But I want us to remember that Jesus was sent. He was sent for you and he was sent for me. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the apostle Paul, who we talked about today, wrote these words. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. If you're here, and you think the good news of Jesus could not possibly be for you. It is. It is. It's better than you can even imagine. But to be saved, you need to call on his name. To be forgiven and made right with God again, you need to call on the name of the Lord. God's not like a nice grandpa that one day just lets everybody in. To be saved, you must call on the name of the Lord express your need for salvation that you can't save yourself repent from your sin turn from it and go to Jesus you don't want to live that way anymore you trust in what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection and you give King Jesus your allegiance and you follow him so as we prepare for communion in just a moment maybe today's the day you recognize Jesus as your Lord and King we're praying for that we prayed for you all week for that and for those of you who are followers of Jesus, Paul wrote in Romans 10, 15b, just one verse later, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Maybe your prayer as we prepare for communion is that God would help you see yourself as a sent person or that he'd help you get over the fear you have or any obstacle that's standing in your way. Maybe you just wanna admit it's hard for you. Maybe you want to start praying for people by name in your life. You long for them to know Jesus and you pray for opportunities. Wherever you find yourself, we just want to give you about 30 seconds to talk to God, have a conversation with him and just name where you are. And then we'll participate in communion together. God, we are praying for anybody here who's not yet a follower of yours, that you would reveal yourself to them and they would believe that the good news is for them. And God, we pray that you would give us a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit, that we would see ourselves as sent people and go into our families and communities to represent you well, to image you well to our world. And when we have the opportunity to boldly share the good news of the greatest gift we have. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed and said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.